You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, it was the best game the Mets have played in weeks, and it came after there was some pretty clear uh, evidence that Buck Schulter's not going anywhere. Billy Epler spoke with the media, said such, and also Steve Cohen is going to speak with the media on Wednesday. So on the show today in the first segment, we'll react to that news and recap the game. Second segment, I want to build a little bit more on the implications of what Steve Cohen speaking to the media means and the decision to double down on Buck. Then in the final segment, a little shout out to Francisco Lindor. We'll go over his play as of late and the fact that he just hit the 200th home run of his career and is still a better shortstop than a lot of fans will give him credit for. Before we get to any of that, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now, there was a lot that happened today, and there's a baseball game that we have to discuss, but... Everything began when Steve Cohen tweeted out in the afternoon that he would speak with the media prior to the game on Wednesday. Now, this set alarm bells off for Mets fans. What does this mean? Is Buckshaw Walter getting fired? Is Billy Epler getting canned? Is there trades being announced? Is, is he going to just uh, completely demean the entire roster and how they've underperformed? What's going to happen? Personally, my thought was, wow. To make that announcement before this game, it, in my opinion, felt like, okay, the Mets are going to hold that. The Mets are, are going to keep Epler, keep Showalter, and Steve Cohen is going to get in front of the media and express his frustrations that he hears the fans, but that they're going to trust this process, that they believe that the players that have been assembled, the team that has been assembled with these coaches that won 101 games last year, that they're going to figure this thing out and find their way back into postseason contention. And if they can do that over the next you know, month and month and a half here, you know, the Mets will continue to try to augment this roster at the deadline. I feel like that was going to be the tenor of the conversation. And then that's affirmed when he sends Billy Upler out there to speak with the media. And he basically puts a kibosh on any idea that Buck Showalter will be fired. And on top of that, Francisco Lindor talks to Andy Martino and explains that, you know, Buck hasn't lost his clubhouse. We believe in Buck. We want Buck to be our manager. So I guess that closed the book on it. And as much as I have expressed my frustrations, and as much as I felt like changing something would spark this team, maybe what happened today behind the scenes did spark this team. Because I imagine Steve Cohen doesn't make that announcement in the afternoon that he's going to talk to the media tomorrow tomorrow, without going into that clubhouse and speaking with some people, without 
discussing things with Buck Showalter, without talking to Billy Epler, without even maybe having a meeting with a player like a Francisco Lindor that has such weight in this franchise. Now, the comments that he made to Andy Martino would not be surprised at all if those same comments weren't echoed to Buck Show or to Steve Cohen about Buck Showalter prior to that announcement and to sending Billy Epler out to basically get the message out first. He's not going to send Billy Epler out, say we're keeping Buck, and the next day fire him. It's not going to happen. And I imagine, again, he might have met with the players. He might have spoken with everybody in-house beforehand anyway. Before he goes, says, hey, I'm going to face the media. Here's what I'm going to say. All of that could have been addressed. And if it was, it would explain the ball club we saw on Tuesday night. Because they looked looser, they looked fresher. And yes, that happens when you're winning. Okay, but that game could have gone sideways and David Peterson deserves a lot of credit because whether it was lucky, whatever you want to call it, the guy made big time pitches and it felt like he just needed one inning, one inning to get the confidence there. And first inning gets a ground out to, to lead things off, but then gives up a base hit and walks the bases loaded in the next two batters. And you had to make a play there. There's a curveball, first pitch swing at Owen Miller, hits one of Francisco Lindor, very quick turn to Jeff McNeil on a play at first where Miller might have been safe, quite honestly, but the Brewers don't challenge and he gets that out of the way. So there's a confidence that's built through that. And then from that point on, he looked really good. Yes, he gave up a double in the second inning, but you know there wasn't any walks. Then he was one, two, three in the third with a bunch of ground outs. Uh, fourth inning, he gives up a walk and a single to lead things off, gets a double play to a race, it gets a strikeout. And then as David Peterson gets more comfortable in this game and gets a lead, we start seeing the strikeouts pile up, gets two in the fifth, and then goes back out there in the sixth inning, which I'm sure there's a lot of fans that were nervous about that, strikes out the first two batters he faces, gives up a base hit, and then Francisco Lindor makes one of the best plays You'll ever see a shortstop make. Goes in the hole, jump throw. I don't think Jeter ever made a jump throw play like that. It might have been his patented play, but Jeter did it a lot slower than the the play we saw Francisco Lindor make in the hole. Exceptional. And by the way, maybe we'll spend the final segment on this. Can we put some damn respect on Francisco Lindor's name? I I mean, the overall numbers this year, the, the production, as much as people want to knock the batting average. Look at the home runs, the RBIs, and the defense, man. And count on, on, on a list how many shortstops can give you that combination. Because there's very few that can do that. But that play to end the sixth inning, to, to see Peterson pumped up to leave the mound, for him to have a good start like that. Here's the thing about David Peterson. I was obviously too high on him coming into the year. And I'm not going to just all at once say I was right because he had one good start. Because it's going to take a lot more than that for David Peterson to get back in the good graces of Mets fans, myself included. But what we saw tonight, what he has that Tyler McGill doesn't is swing and miss stuff. What he has that Carlos Carrasco doesn't, and then the long laundry list of back-end starters. He has swing and miss stuff. When he's able to locate, when he's not walking the world, and he still had three walks tonight, he still gave up five hits. That start could have gone the other way in that first inning. But it didn't, 
and he got you through six. And when starters get the Mets through six this year, I think their winning percentage is like over 800. So that's what you need. And I don't know if this is David Peterson's now in this rotation until Quintana comes back. I think that could be the case. But he was massive for the Mets tonight to set a tone, to keep him in that game. And as they realized through the first four innings, oh, David Peterson isn't an automatic loss tonight. Get a couple runs, we can win this thing. The Mets had three great innings in a row. And Brandon Nemo had a fantastic game. Two home runs, three RBIs, Lindor homers, Daniel Vogelback homers, Tommy Pham has an RBI double to drive in Pete Alonzo, who got on base and stole one too to score a run. Just a, a great team victory top to bottom. The defense was there, um, the offense was there, and the pitching was there. And the only guy that was bad in this game was Jeff Brigham. And considering that he's the reason the Mets lost that series to the Phillies, I think there's every chance that uh, Brigham is the latest roster casualty here. Uh, certainly not pitching well, but this was a huge victory. It's not to say everything's fixed. They got to go out and win this series for you to actually feel that momentum. Um, but for a night, it certainly looked a lot better. And I'll be fascinated to see what Steve Cohen says to the media. And I want to discuss that a little bit more next here. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been in a situation where you're stressing about buying the tickets and you just don't know how you're going to get to the game and it's tough to find tickets at a fair price, well, Game Time is fast and easy where you can buy tickets for all the sports, music, and comedy and theater near you. And there's killer deals on last-minute tickets where you can get their best price guarantee, which means you can stop stressing over the tickets, start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have at the game. That game time guarantee means you're always going to get the best price available. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time is going to credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Signing tickets without the stress with Game Time by downloading the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The New York Mets play the Milwaukee Brewers again at 7:10 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Look at the remainder of this series. Kodai Senga versus Wade Miley. Then Adrian Hauser versus Max Scherzer. So you got Senga at home. He's been great this year. And you got Scherzer again. So this is a very winnable series at this point. This Brewers team is not the same one that beat you up in May or wherever that was. I think it was early May when they faced the Brewers in Milwaukee. You could beat this team, and you need to beat this team to prove that you are a contender. Everybody in that clubhouse is echoing the same thing. Hey, you know, we believe in the guys we have. It's been a disappointment for us, for the fans. We want to do better. We want to contend. Uh, today there was a report about Max Scherzer, that he would waive a no-trade clause, and that was coming from Anthony DeComo, 
but it was kind of aggregated. And Anthony DeComo later refuted uh, the report, basically saying that he could foresee a scenario where Scherzer uh, would waive a no trade clause, but his intention is to win and win with the Mets. Now, all of this is to say this season can go in one of two directions. And I think what Steve Cohen's going to speak with the media about is where they're at and where they're trying to go and a period now for this team to prove that they can still contend this year. And you say that's crazy, that's ludicrous. How can the Mets find their way back in the race with how bad they've played? We've seen recently the Cincinnati Reds win 10 games in a row. The San Francisco Giants win 10 games in a row. Where are those teams right now as it relates to the playoff mix? The Reds are in first place in the Central. The Giants are sitting in the second wild card spot, a half a game behind the Miami Marlins and a half a game ahead of the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's not to say the Mets are going to take this momentum from one single game, and I believe they're going to reel off 10 in a row. <laughs> I'm not saying that. There's a chance, but I'm not saying that. It will take a winning streak at some point, whether that's building some momentum, win a series here, win a series there, and then eventually it happens or not. For, for the Mets to make the playoffs this year, they will need that type of run. They're going to need either a 10-game winning streak or they're going to have to stack up a couple where they win you know, 7 out of 10. You know, If they go 14 out of 20 for a stretch, all right, well, now you're sitting and you're looking at their record. They're 36 and 43. If they went 14 of their next 20, They'd be 50 and 49. Okay. And then you say, wow, is that really in the race? Well, in the National League, you, you look at you know what it's going to take. Yes, you're going to have to be above 500 and you know a, a good amount above it, but it's a start. And if you were to to stack up, you know, stretches like that and play 700 baseball for a little bit, yes, you can get there. It's not a realistic outcome. But I think the Mets are at a point this year where they got to try. They're too far in to go all the way out. And I think they also, because of Steve Cohen and the financial flexibility to, to get creative that they have, there is a way that they can sort of thread the needle and do both, where they can still trust this roster, have faith in this roster, try to contend this year. And if you aren't really in the thick of the race at the deadline, you can sell some pieces out of it. But ultimately I think what today has, has told us is they're going to put faith in this coaching staff and the players that are on this roster to figure it out. And I guess that's the only thing you can do. If you're not going to fire Buck Walter and they've clearly had their opportunities to do that, what you have to do is what the Mets did today, which was show faith in him and, and essentially say it's not happening, which they did a couple weeks ago. And then two weeks of losing, we thought, okay, is this a conversation again? And they put a kibosh on it. So now you just have to look forward. And that means <laughs> winning with Buck Showalter at the helm. And if guys can play for him the way they did tonight, maybe that's not as crazy of a conversation as it felt like on Monday. Uh, but you know, I'm 48 hours removed from doing a podcast about firing them. I'm not going to say everything's fixed with one win. It certainly feels better for a night. You know, Mets fans can drive to work with a smile on their face today, but you got to win a series. That's the bottom line here. You got to win a series. 
And if they're going to get the type of play they've gotten lately from Brandon Nimmo and from Francisco Lindor and hopefully from Alonzo soon because he hasn't quite broken fully out coming off the aisle, but you know there's enough signs and he's a good enough hitter that you can expect it. This team can put it together. Especially if you start getting quality outings from Sanga, Scherzer coming up here. If you're getting more from guys like Carlos Carrasco and even a David Peterson, if it's in the rotation for a short while until you get Quintana back. And of course, Justin Verlander. If you find some consistency in the rotation, your star players play like star players. You just have to get enough pitching out of that bullpen. And I think that's still a massive question mark. Um, But one that can be answered. It can. So for now, pretty good baseball game. Hopefully the Mets play a few more this week. And it will be interesting to see exactly what Steve Cohen says. But I believe it's going to be something along the lines of what I've discussed throughout the show already. That they believe in Buck Showalter. They believe he's a good manager. They believe that he still has control of this team this team's going to play hard for him and the the best Mets baseball lies ahead and that message is going to be received a hell of a lot better coming off a 7-2 victory so uh, I think you know Steve Cohen kind of gave the guys a day to, to to make it easier for that pill to be swallowed by the fan base and credit to the team for getting the job done Next, though, I want to spend a little bit of time on Francisco Lindor because he just hit his 200th home run. And we forget this guy has been a pretty good performer for a long time and maybe deserves a little bit more slack. So we're going to get to that in just a minute. First, though, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets play the Milwaukee Brewers at 7:10 Eastern Time tonight. Catch every pitch. The Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Francisco Lindor hit his 200th home run in this game on Tuesday night. Not a lot of shortstops have done that. Uh, you know, 200 home runs with the level of defense that he plays and the fact that he's still just at the beginning of what's going to be a very long career. And there's every chance that he might even double that number and and get to a 400 home run club uh, by the time it's all said and done. So he really has put together a remarkable career. And as much as he is knocked, and I see comments when I give Lindor credit about me being too pro Lindor. uh, But here's the thing. Francisco Lindor is a great shortstop. I'm sorry. He is. I don't know what to tell you guys, but he does one thing above all else that I think does not get enough credit. The man plays every day and say what you want uh, uh, about everything else to have someone that anchors your defense every single day at shortstop who drives and runs, who hits home runs. That is extraordinarily valuable. Look at the other shortstops in baseball under big contracts. Carlos Correa misses time and this year hasn't been right. You know, Javi Baez hasn't been very good under his contract. You know, Xander Bogarts, you look at his numbers and they're right there with Lindor's, but he was also incredible for the first month of the season has fallen off, 
has eight home runs compared to the 15 that Lindor's hit. He's driven in 27 runs compared to the 53 that Lindor has. And playing with a team with superstars all around him, he hasn't even scored as much as Lindor. Uh, you look at their weighted runs created plus. Lindor's at 107 on the year. Bogart's 106, and that's not factoring in tonight's game, which would boost uh, Lindor's WRC plus to 110. But here's the thing. And that also juices up the RBI and the home run numbers. He has 16, actually, now that I think about it. So it's double the home runs of Bogarts. Trey Turner's having a rough year. If you want to find a shortstop in baseball that's better than Francisco Lindor this season, you really got to look towards the American League. Wander Franco, Bo Bichette, those guys have been better. Dansby Swanson, based on wins above replacement, has been better. He's been at a 3F4, Lindor at 2.3. He's done it defensively, um, been better in that category, and offensively slightly better when you look at the overall slash line and a waiter runs created plus of 113 compared to Lindor at the 110. But Lindor has the home runs in the RBIs. When you look at a shortstop that is leading the league in home runs, that's Major League Baseball, that's leading the league in RBIs and can make a play in the hole the way Lindor did tonight, that's a special ball player. And considering the circumstances, right, of his entire season. So let's start with, with one element of it, okay? Come in, this is year three. I don't know how much reporting was done. And I didn't know that his wife was expecting. He has a, a second daughter. So you do have to look at, and this is not making an excuse for his play. But you do have to wonder. With a very pregnant wife in the first couple months of the season, you know, how much is the focus level on the game? There's a lot going on in your life. It's not to say it doesn't show up every day, doesn't put the work in, but you do have to wonder just what was going on in his life and then also the team element of how bad everyone else is playing around him and maybe you're trying to do too much. Maybe you're pressing a little bit. I don't know. Then you have the birth of your second daughter, and it seems like that put things in perspective for him for whatever it is worth. It seems like that has him locked in into some other gear, and maybe it's just a high streak and it means nothing. But sometimes we don't regard the human element enough, and maybe sometimes we do too much. I don't know. In my opinion, right now, we are seeing the best version of Francisco Lindor and one that could carry over. Is he going to be this week over week over week for the entire season? Probably not. I don't think he's got a dark horse MVP campaign in him where he's going to hit you know, four home runs every 10 games like he has over the last 10. But he's closing in on a six home run month. That's what he's got right now. And if he did that in July, August, and September and hit 18 more home runs, you're looking at a 34-35 home run season for Francisco Lindor where he probably drives in 100 again while playing gold-glove caliber defense at shortstop. Forget the batting average, the on-base percentage, which both certainly can and probably will come up. You can't complain about a 35 home run, 100 RBI starting shortstop with gold-glove defense. And if the Mets get that guy over the final three months of the season, and they get Brandon Nemo playing the way he has lately, a two-home run game. And Pete Alonso is that dude who can chase 50 home runs still. 
And then you get just enough from the other guys, the Tommy Fams of the world, the Mark Cannas of the world, Daniel Vogelback showing a little life now. Jeff McNeil maybe comes on a tad. All right. There is still enough talent on this team to win. Team that a lot of people are picking in the preseason to go on a run this year. Now the run has to be a miraculous run just to make the playoffs. But if Lindor can carry this team for a little bit and he's playing for his manager, which his comments today certainly indicate he is, you just can't count him out. I'll believe it when it comes to this Mets team when they win a series, though. So as much as I'm preaching optimism on the one day where I can for the past two weeks, I have to preface it all by saying don't lose one or lose both against this Brewers team. Show you mean it. Show you want Buck to stay. Show you you actually believe in each other and find a way to win this series. Do it again in the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one because that's what baseball is. That's what the marathon is. And that's why it's a long season where you can never truly be counted out until you just run out of time. And luckily for the Mets, they haven't run out of time just yet. Well, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked On Mets. Tomorrow's show for all you everydayers, we will be discussing the Steve Cohen press conference. Not often that you get a owner's press conference in the middle of a season. But Steve Cohen is going to show some accountability that the Wilpons never did. So I'm looking forward to dissecting all of his comments tomorrow. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. You follow me on Twitter, Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.